Welcome back to Our Brooklyn Bites. This is episode 121. I'm Stephanie. I'm Leon. And it is what? It is now April. What does that mean? All the fools come out. <laughs> That's every month. That's I, true. I don't need April for the fools to come out. I can't argue with that. <laughs> you have a point. But besides that... Besides that, I did some updates on my equipment this week. Oh, is that right? Major iOS updates and Apple updates. Mm-hmm. You know, the fun of updating your equipment, which I know you don't do. So. I don't usually do it very Speaking regularly. Speaking of fools, like I'm the one, really, who's the foolish one. It's funny because I keep getting the little pop-up warning on my iPad mini. Okay. It, it kept saying, there's an update available, do you wish to update? And it keeps nagging me. Mm-hmm. And I always say, like, do it later or skip, you know, whatever whatever the option is to not do it right away. And the other day, I accidentally agreed to have it installed. That's how they get you. That really bothers me. You know, Apple mm-hmm. never used to do that until like the last couple of years. Yeah. And it even happened to me on my my iMac because it was saying update, update. And I was going to get to it, but I wanted to do backup first and everything. So then I did, okay, I did try in an hour, I said. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing I know, I forgot about it, and the message popped up again, and I was ignoring it because I was browsing on the website. Next thing I know, the computer just shuts down and restarts. Yeah. And it starts installing an update. I'm like, what the, what the heck, man? Right. Like, I didn't want it to do it now. Like, when, you know, when I'm not going to be working on the computer, I want to do that. Mm-hmm. So, that, and that, you know... Well, in fairness, Windows gets like that, too. It, yeah, it's notorious for doing that. The whole update process now tells you to set your active hours... So you're basically telling it, these are the times that I'm going to be using the PC. Mm-hmm. So I figure, let me just set it to anything outside of any possibility that I might be doing something. So I tried to set it to something crazy, like 9 a.m. to 4 a.m. or something, you know, like where there's no chance that I'm using the computer. And it comes back and says, no, you can't do that. Active hours can only be 12 hours out of the day or something like oh. that. And I'm like, what? Says who? <laughs> it's not. So why even give you that option if they're going to be so. I don't know, about- because they really want people to update. They want to make sure you're current and up to date. Because back when they didn't enforce it, people were really sloppy with the updates. It was uh, security concerns that really drove them to this decision, I think. Mm-hmm. A lot of the updates might be just improvements on various things, technical updates. But security updates, I think, are what really drove them to this policy. To make sure that everybody's current and patched. They're doing it for your own <clears throat> good. Yeah. Well, or so they want you to believe. Yeah, I don't know. But in the case of iPads, sometimes it's not always great for the device because some machines get progressively slower with each new update. Do you believe that's true? I don't, believe, I don't buy it. I don't know. I, I've seen people comment and say how... I know. I see that a lot. Oh, how, you know, true. Some people will say, oh, my iPad 4 seems so slow these days with iOS 9 or 10 or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's always like that. It's just... I think it's all psychological. Mm-hmm. Could be. Because, like, I remember my old iPod Touch being so fast and great. Mm-hmm. And when I go to that now, because that thing hasn't been updated, like, they stopped updating that years ago. Yeah. When I go to that now, it is so slow. It's, like, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. It can't even compare to, like, how fast an iPhone is. And I just don't buy it. Like, I feel like, even though my I complain my iPad Air is, like, kind of sluggish here and there, but I still think it's no worse than it was when I first bought it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe there are some scientific tests they can do. <laughs> it's hard to quantify because mm-hmm. you need an old one to compare it to. 
Yeah. So what did you update then? What did you end up updating this week besides oh, the Mac? Oh, it was just the Apple TV, the iPad, and the computer. So the whole Mac. family. The whole, yeah. The whole Apple family. Yeah, but I like to back everything up before I do it, mm-hmm. just in case something goes a little haywire. It's a good Because, you know, it never does, but the one time, you know, I don't do a backup, something's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then the phone, too. Mm-hmm. The phone and the iPad, yeah. Isn't Apple pushing everyone to just use iCloud for everything nowadays? Like, they don't really necessarily want you to use iTunes for backups. They want you to use iCloud, except that iCloud's not free. And I don't want to pay, even though it's like, what, a dollar a month? Right. I, that's a dollar I'd rather have in my pocket. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I have the means to do it without iCloud. Why not? Why can't I just do it my way? Right. Why do right. I need to pay? Well, they give you a certain amount of free. No, like, nothing. They give you nothing. Not enough to it's back up your device. Yeah. Right. I can't even store my photos. It's not even enough for photos. Mm-hmm. At least Google gives you unlimited photos in their cloud. So, but you survived. I survived, and you know, I did actually play a game on the iPad this week. Oh, yeah? Since I was doing all the updates and stuff. Okay. Uh, it's a new game that just came out. It's called Type Shift. I think it's been getting some buzz mm. around the websites here and there. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of it? Sounds familiar. No. Okay. You see him play it? No. So it just, yeah, it just came out like a couple weeks ago. It's from uh, one developer, Zach Gage. It's a word puzzle game. Think of it as like an anagram type of thing. Mm-hmm. Very basic game, but the mechanics on it are uh, well done. So you have a list of a row of tiles going across, and it's all like jumbled letters. And what you can do is you can slide the letters up and down, like vertically. And when you move the letters up and down across, you can slide them up and down to spell a word. And the idea is, how many words can you spell with the, those given tiles? Mm-hmm. So, for instance, say it's a three-letter word. Because, like, in the beginning, it starts off easy. So, a three-letter word, and you'll see B-T-A, you know? And then on the column with the B will be, like, five tiles that you can slide up and down, and you want to slide them to create as many words as you can. Mm-hmm. And every time you make a word, those tiles will turn blue that you made the word from. And the, the goal is to make all the tiles turn blue. So you, you want to try to select the tiles that are not blue now and try to make words with them. But you could still use those same tiles that are blue already. It's just the goal is to change all the colors of the tiles to blue. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's, like, one aspect of the puzzles. And then there's another part, which is the part I really like more, which is sort of like uh, like crossword sort of thing, where it's the same idea of the, with the puzzle with the tiles that you can slide up and down, but they give you like 10 clues at the bottom, and each clue is a word, and you have to try to spell that word out of those tiles. Mm-hmm. So, so you have two things now. Now you have to solve the clue, with what you think it might be, and then also try to solve the puzzle, arrange the tiles so it spells that word. And I found that more fun for some reason. It may be even a little bit easier, I guess. Mm-hmm. If you get the right word, it'll cross off, you know, one of the um, lines in the, the puzzle. So if it's like 10 questions, cross one of them off. It's sort of like process of elimination. The more words you make, it sort of gets easier because now you have less tiles to work with to spell. Mm-hmm. So with each word, there is a specific set of solutions that match that, right? It's not just like... I mean, I, I guess... I, I guess it must have a dictionary that it compares those... If you complete the round, it'll tell you... It, it knows, like, what the words were in that set. Sure. So it'll say, you found, like, two of the three, like, difficult words. Mm-hmm. And then you found, like, five common words. 
Okay. And then it kind of gives you a score based on that. And then it also tracks your time. Mm. So you can check like leaderboards and stuff and see how quick you do things or how many hard words you got. You can go back and complete the puzzle again if you want. Mm-hmm. So it's a free game. They give you a decent amount of puzzles, probably like at least 60, I would say. Mm-hmm. There's more puzzle packs you can buy. So I think they're like a dollar or two each and they're adding like new puzzles all the time and they give you like 30 to 60 puzzles or something in them. Mm-hmm. So it's relatively cheap to really get started with it. I mean, it's free, and if you like it a lot, you can buy some more puzzles. So I'm still working on it, though. I did the crossword ones, which I found a little bit easier, and then now I'm trying to do some of the longer words that have more than four letters in them, mm-hmm. and that's I'm finding a little bit more difficult <laughs> to do. Because like sometimes I'll make like two or three words, and now it's like, all right, now I have these letters left over, and I can't figure out how to make a word out of these letters like no matter what combination i do you need a good vocabulary going into this i suppose yeah that would help <laughs> they give you the option to use hints you have like 10 free hints and then after that you have to buy like a hint pack for like a dollar <laughs> really? and it gives you like 30 more hints or something wow so i haven't actually i always forget that's an option so i could do that just to like finish some of the puzzles I'm on. Hmm. You can also ask a friend, and I haven't tried that yet either, so I don't know how that works. I tapped on it, and then like it asked you, like, how do you want to send this to a friend? And I didn't know. It was like showing like my mail icon or Safari. I was like, Typical I share options, probably. Probably. I guess it just emails on the app, maybe. And then, I, I, don't, I don't really know how that works. I thought it would be through Game Center, but it didn't seem like it. Hmm. I should install it and see if it adds some option to... You know, find a friend that already has the game or something like that. I guess you can try that. Okay. Yeah, like, maybe send me something and see what happens. Mm-hmm. There's also a daily puzzle, which is free. You know, every day, something new. So even if you did all the free puzzles, you could still play, like, the new free one every day. Mm-hmm. You can also play it for free online, but not the full game. You could just play the puzzle of the day for free. Right. If you go to TypeShift, just Google it, and then you'll, it'll take you to it. I don't know if it's published by Merriam-Webster or connected to it somehow. Mm-hmm. But if you go to Merriam-Webster's website, you can also play the game on there. So I don't know if there's some kind of tie-in. Because their logo does pop up when you load the game on. Okay. So I, I'm not so sure. The, an interesting note, which I thought you would find relevant, is the guy who made this game, Zach, he also worked on one of your fun games, Ridiculous Fishing. <laughs> uh, also some other good games like BitPilot, don't know if I talked about it here, but I've played that one. Spell Tower, which is a big popular game. Mm-hmm. And then a recent one called Really Bad Chess, which I know a lot of people were into that game. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this guy has a knack for interesting games. Fun little games. Yeah, little mm-hmm. fun ones. So check it out. All right. I'll add it to my pile. Sure. The pile. Did the pile tip over yet? <laughs> <laughs> it's a virtual pile, so it's not, it's not subject to gravity. I wish the pile of toys in my apartment were a virtual pile. Mm, that I can understand. <laughs> I should say pile of unopened toys because I have no room for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the best kind. Build that, <laughs> yeah. that anticipation. Fresh, right? Yeah. <laughs> so what's been up with your week? You over your cold? Uh, more or less. Yeah. I think so. Anyone uh, slip you any whoopee cushions under your seat or anything? <laughs> No, that wasn't necessary. Put a toothpaste where the chalk would have been? Nah, nothing like that. No. What are pranks people do nowadays? The, the whole chalk thing? Do like teachers even use chalk anymore? Or like, is that something from our days, like the old days? I have no idea. I haven't been in a classroom like a lately. Yeah, no, like I know. Well, I mean, in college, we used whiteboards. Right. So it was all markers, you know? Uh-huh. 
And I don't know if just like all schools have switched over to that or they still use chalk bars. I don't know. I, I think know. some of them use projectors now. Oh, projectors. Wow. Yeah. PowerPoint like presentation. Over overhead projectors where they could just draw on the Oh, that's cool. on the tablet and then it kind of beams it up to the screen. Nice. We uh, had in my <clears throat> science class and we had one of those projectors but you had like those clear sheets that would go mm-hmm. over. I guess it would be made ahead of time. Yeah, right. So sometimes like you know, one of those sheets would be on projecting and like the teacher wouldn't be looking and someone would slip like they would make some kind of obscene shape and put it on the <laughs> projector and then everyone would start. I've never seen that happen. Yeah. That used to happen a lot. Uh Uh-huh. Interesting. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Well, I'm sure there's plenty of opportunities for for those kind of pranks to keep going. Silly kids and their hijinks. Technology will not prevent that from happening. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, I decided to go back into the archives this week. I've talked before about various Disney games that have been on Sega platforms, the ones that Sega was involved with the Illusion series and some of the Donald Duck games and stuff like that. But I never really played any of the Capcom games that were also associated with the Disney license. I've only played maybe Aladdin on the SNES, but they obviously had a pretty good run on the original NES. So with the recent announcement of that Disney Afternoon collection that's coming soon, it contains games like DuckTales 1 and 2, um, the Chippendales Rescue Rangers games, Tailspin, was part of that. Mm. So Darkwing Duck was the game I decided to take a crack at. Any reason for that? <laughs> well, I figured... that character? I, I actually don't even really know the character, but I figured... I've already played the DuckTales remake that was on the more modern systems. Mm-hmm. I kind of didn't want to go back to that right away. I figured that was a pretty similar game. I mean, it would be still interesting for me to check that out. But since... I sort of had already played at least one version of that. I figured, well, those two games are probably out because of that. And then Chip and Dale, also, it's a pair of games, so I don't necessarily want to play both of them. That left Darkwing Duck and Tailspin, and I figured maybe Darkwing Duck is... Yeah, don't do Tailspin. <laughs> Just looking at that cover of... of the, those characters are so unappealing to me. I don't know. Yeah, well... I know it was a big deal for a lot of people, like those Disney Afternoon shows. I think it seems like... I a guess big, so. Kind of a big fan base I, I guess that. you and I were a little bit too old for those shows, because I, I never watched them. They seemed kind of dumb when they were on. I, mm-hmm. I really don't know much about them, honestly. But I know that these games had a good reputation as far as being good games. Did they? Yeah. I think... I don't, I don't remember that. Really? <laughs> yeah. I don't ever heard of that before. Even my sort of outsider viewpoint of it is that, hey, these are well-done games. You should check them out. I knew that about DuckTales, but mm-hmm. I mean, I played Chippendales, and I didn't think that was so great. Okay. And I know I did check out... I didn't play much, though, of Tailspin and... Um, what's the other one? The Darkwing Duck. Right. But I don't have any memories of that being like as like a spectacular game, but... Mm-hmm. Well, it was a pretty late release, anyway. It came out... Along with DuckTales 2. Yeah, yeah, those were kind of... The SNES was already out, I think. Mm-hmm. A lot that, of that's probably why on. I didn't really put much time into those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I thought, well, just based on those couple of factors, I thought okay. I'd want to see what it's all about <laughs> and try it out. Was it, the, was it the purple hat and trench coat that drew you in? Um, no, I can't say that that had any special interest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was intrigued, nonetheless. So, obviously, it's a side-scrolling action platformer type of game. He starts off with a briefing from Jay Gander Hoover. 
who is the head of the spy agency known as Shush, that a crime wave is being perpetrated on the city of St. Canard by the criminal organization known as Foul. <laughs> so it's up to the vigilante crime fighter, Darkwing Duck, to take them on and foil their plans. Hmm. So Darkwing can move left or right. Uh, you can press down to crouch. And you can also bring up his cape. His signature cape can be used as a shield to block incoming shots. Kind of Dracula style, the way Count Dracula would bring up his cape as well. Or, or should we say Count Dracula? <laughs> Let's keep it in the universe. <laughs> sure, okay. okay. All right, I won't disagree with that. <laughs> Is there a name for that move, that gesture of bringing up the cape to, uh, yeah, in front of your face? Know. There must be. It must be, right? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so he can also jump by pressing the A button and B to fire his gas gun. He has a gun. It doesn't fire bullets. It fires... Can you shoot gas? Gas that, pellets, I guess. Wouldn't that get blown? In, what if it's windy out? Wouldn't it just blow back in your face? This is a special gun. Oh. This can operate in all environments. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, there's different types of gas that can be equipped, too. You can use the select button on the controller to switch to... Different special gases for alternate attacks, and those types are thunder gas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that shoots two bolts diagonally, and you have a limited supply of that special gas. So thunder gas will use up one unit of special gas. Another type is heavy gas, which will shoot down and kind of spray out to left to right. That mm-hmm. uses two units. And then the last type is arrow gas. <laughs> I had no idea that gas came in the form of an arrow. An arrow, uh-huh. But what this does is it shoots a large arrow that will damage enemies as well as it will stick to walls. And it can also be used as a ladder, almost, like a rung that you can climb up onto. I like the plunger gun better that mm-hmm. Donald had. And quack shot, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is a bit different than that. <laughs> so the arrow gas will cost three units. Mm-hmm. And pressing start on the controller will pause the game and go to the status screen. You can see how many lives you have left there, the type of special gas equipped. You can only carry one type at a time. So if you see a power-up to change to a different type of gas, you end up losing the one that you, you're currently equipped with and then take on the other one. Also, you see the current amount of gas energy that is left. He's also got a life meter. There's a heart in the corner, which functions as the life meter. Every hit that he takes, takes off a quarter of that heart. So when you start off the game, you see uh, kind of an aerial view of the city, and you have a choice of which level you want to go to first. You have a choice of three different levels. The bridge, the city, or the sewers. Launchpad is there. Uh, Launchpad again? Uh Uh-huh. He will ask for a confirmation. So it's like a little crossover to the... Oh, he's part of the cast the of Duck this... The Universe. I think he's part of the show, too. Oh, he was? Yeah. So he asks for confirmation of where you want to fly to, and he will help you get there. You see uh, a jet flying there. Uh, Darkwing's jet is known as the Thunderquack. <laughs> All right. So stage one, I select the bridge. And the story here is that Quacker Jack and his henchmen are blocking the construction of Quacker the... Jack. That is one of the enemy <laughs> henchmen that you've got to take on. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, at the start of each stage, Darkwing appears, he spreads his cape, and he declares, I am Darkwing Duck, with a large word balloon over his head. 
just so you know who he is and what game you're playing. Mm -hmm. Now, since this bridge is a construction site, there's many hooks dangling around that Darkwing can grab onto. There's levers that he can pull down that end up dropping a girder that either will smash an enemy or it gives him an extra platform that he can hop onto to get up to uh, the next level. He can also grab and hang from ledges that are above him, kind of Mega Man style. In fact, the whole game feels like it could be a Mega Man reskin mm. in a lot of ways. Yeah, maybe. Now, this stage is inhabited by various henchmen, bats, fast-running turtles. There's costumed green henchmen that can throw daggers and also have a similar type of cape that can block any incoming shots. So those guys, you can only hit them when they're in the motion of throwing the dagger. Mm-hmm. Those are good ones to practice the cape block against, just in case you want to warm up that type of maneuver. There's items that can be picked up, including diamonds and gold bars for points. There's small and large gas canisters that will refill your gas energy. There's heart bottles to add back either one heart piece at a time or a, f- a first aid kit to refill the life bar back to maximum. There's even little Darkwing dolls that will grant the one-up. And the fight itself with Quackerjack takes place on a screen with three levels on it. And what he does is he sprints back and forth, almost as if daring me to catch up with him. But if I get on the same level with him to try to shoot him, he changes the level that he's on. So there's only really a brief moment where you can intersect with him and try to shoot him. Additionally, he's got a helper at the top of the screen who follows around my movement and throws down a steady stream of banana peels. Hmm. And the ceiling below that guy is covered in spikes, so I'm not able to hop up to his level or you know try to take him on directly. Unfortunately, going into this fight, I'm equipped with the heavy gas option, which is not really useful for the type of pattern that, that this guy is moving in. He changes level before I have a chance to reach him and, and attempt to fire. So I end up just using my regular bullets against him. At the end, Darkwing is seen riding away on his motorbike. And then special points are added up onto the total score. I'm not really sure what that's based on, though. I don't really know what that special points are awarded mm-hmm. are based on. But either way, Launchpad then asks, where should we go now? So back to the stage select screen, and then you can go on to the next stage. So there's only three stages, right? Initially, you have a choice of three. Okay. But once you clear those three, then you get three more. Mm. But the next stage is the city. And on this stage, Wolf Duck and his henchmen are rampaging through the city. Wolf Duck goes berserk when the moon comes out, I'm told. Now, this city is overrun with rats, and some of them seem to be wearing hard hats, armed with... like New York. Yeah, right? (laughs) They're armed with flamethrowers that can pop out of the sidewalk and just shoot. Mm -hmm. Others are on propeller packs that are tossing bombs out, and sometimes there's just a random banana peel on the ground that will temporarily stun Darkwing if he steps on it. Those horrible banana peels. Can happen. There's uh, some portions with a bed of spikes... Uh, along the ground, and a rolling tire will help me get over those. But the thing about this um, rolling tire is it doesn't just carry you. You have to run along with it. Otherwise, you end up just falling off of it. So it's a little more complicated than I would have expected. 
eventually start moving into a skyscraper scene where I run into this tough-looking turtle who is also uh, mostly invulnerable, except when he takes his shell off and flings it at me like a frisbee. Hmm. And then you can hit him when he does that. Then he has no shell. When he's outside of his shell. Yeah, but it does come back to him. We do that. (laughs) That's his uh, mode of attack, apparently. There is a clever bit where I have to use my arrow as a rung to climb up to retrieve a health pack. This is after I... Does that work like the plunger? A little bit. A little bit, yeah. So you can basically shoot it into a wall, and it stays there temporarily, and you can grab onto it and climb up onto it. Okay. You do use that to get to some difficult spots in the game. There's another section where a pump is used to inflate a balloon to sail over a set of buildings. And when I land, waiting on that part of the stage is a very odd-looking duck... He is very rotund. He's wearing a helmet and carrying a pistol. Apparently, this is one of the agents of foul. When I attempt to shoot him, he flattens out his body, or his head will pop off his body to avoid the shots that I'm taking at him. So the trick is to jump up a little bit and land a headshot, and that's what ends up taking him out. Mm. Is foul an, uh, an abbreviation for something? Or uh, is it a dot it, it is spelled like an acronym, as if it means something, but I don't think it's ever defined All what right. that means. Mm. At least not within this game. Mm-hmm. They don't explain what that means. So in the next area, I have to deal with these foul agents and turtles at the same time. It's pretty hectic. I do my best to just avoid them. Then it's time to confront Wolf Duck, the boss. He's big and strong when the moon is out and leaps around and tosses crates, which I can attempt to destroy the crate before he throws it or while he's throwing it. Mm -hmm. But when the cloud passes in front of the moon, he gets weak and vulnerable to fire and he starts dashing back and forth. And he can still crash into me and do some damage. But in general, that's the best time to take him out and it's not too difficult. This fight feels a lot easier than the previous boss. So it doesn't take too much effort. Once he's done with, back to the select. There's only one stage left, the sewers. In this area... Tell me you meet the Ninja Turtles. (laughs) Uh, Those are not sanctioned Disney properties, so you won't see them here. They've been like the Toxic Turtles or something. (laughs) That would have been a good parody. Uh Instead, the dagger-throwing ducks are back, along with a new enemy... These eggs that parachute in. That eggs in the sewer? Eggs that fall from the ceiling for some reason. Makes sense. Okay. They're, they're flying in. They're floating in on parachutes. On parachutes. And when they land, they start running towards me uncontrollably. So eggs with feet? Eggs with feet. All right. So that means they're going to hatch, right? You think they might, but they don't. They okay. just end up. Oh, all right. They just keep running. A little further on, there's ducks that pop out of the walls. They have large hammers. And... They can't hit me directly, but even if they don't, they end up hammering into the ceiling or the wall and create rock chips that fly out, and those can also hit and hurt Darkwing. There's also a gator with a turtle shell on him, so you do get a little bit of some turtle action, I suppose. (laughs) These are in a tricky side room with these moving platforms and spikes where there's a chance to get some one-ups and also... You have to make sure you have the arrow gas going into this area, because otherwise you won't be able to reach any of these bonus items. Now, in general, throughout the game, I try to hold on to that arrow gas power-up as much as possible, because that seems to be the most useful one to keep handy. 
Well, why would you ever lose it? If you pick up a different one, it'll end up changing. Yeah, I mean, okay. it mm-hmm. could just happen that, you know, you pick up a different one and now you, you're stuck with it until you find something else. Okay. Uh-huh. In the next room, it's dimly lit so that only the eyes of the enemies are visible. These are sewer-dwelling crows. I can turn the lights on temporarily by hanging from these handles that are on the ceiling. And you can sort of note where they exist, and then once you let go, it goes dark again. Mm. Another section has some moving platforms that I can hang from to avoid the spike traps while dealing with bomb-throwing kangaroos. So this is a very interesting sewer area. The boss is known as the Liquidator, and he alternates between... Uh, a form that is just like a puddle on the ground that drifts back and forth across the screen. Or he takes on the shape of a humanoid-looking dog. So apparently he's made of water, and I think he can just assume different forms. Wasn't the Super Friends able to do that? <laughs> yeah, one of them was, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think they were aliens, though. Oh. <laughs> then what is this supposed to be? I don't know. I, I guess he's just... Uh... I guess when you live in the sewer for long enough, mm-hmm. things start to get weird. Right, right. He can also summon fish to attack on his behalf. So, I don't know. He's got a whole aquatic theme going on. Those dangerous fish <laughs> getting hit in the face with a guppy. Yeah. You want to avoid that if possible. Uh, but this is a pretty simple fight. He's only vulnerable when he's in dog form. He What he does is he forms out of the puddle and he takes out a horn to summon the fish and that's the opportunity to hit him so i just have to avoid contact with him and the fish there's also a ledge overhead that i can grab onto that helps to stay out of his way like i said after completing the first three stages three more are available to be selected and those are the tower the warehouse and the woods since the tower was highlighted first, I just went to that one. We were all disappointed, thinking that you maybe you beat the game, <laughs> and then you saw another three boards. I knew that it would have uh, some more to it than just those three stages. Okay. These stages overall are pretty short, so it's not like you spend a whole lot of time in them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's pretty quick to get through it all. Now, this stage, the tower, is another one that looks kind of like a construction site. I guess a lot of the city is under construction, perpetually. On the street, another kangaroo enemy. This one is throwing high-speed basketballs. Once in the tower itself, there's these robot dogs that patrol back and forth. There's some easy parts of girder climbing. Nothing too complicated. The uh, lever-pulling action from the first stage is back in this one. But this time, they activate these O-rings that drop down. And what you can do is you can pull on the lever, it drops this additional chain, and you can chain jump a lot to get further on to the stage. The next area of girders is guarded by the blob-like foul agents again. But there's also uh, more of those muscle turtles, too. And there was one section that had some power-ups in it. And I thought I'd be able to backtrack to get them. But there isn't total freedom of movement on the stage. Mm-hmm. So as you move forward, a lot of times you can't backtrack and go back to a previous area. Yeah. Like, I thought I would be able to climb up this one part and then come down. Yeah. But I wasn't able to move back down and I ended up killing myself trying to go back down. <laughs> Unfortunately, I missed out on that part. The boss screen, once I get to that, has two levels with these fireball spitting machines. Mm -hmm. There's two on the top level and one on the bottom. And in order to disable these machines, there's a blinking light on the top of them. So the boss that's present here, someone by the name of Moliarity, a large mole apparently, (laughs) he's got a hammer and a wrench and he likes to keep his machines running in working order. 
So he'll run over to fix a machine when it's broken. And the bottom one is broken when the stage starts. So I think the best approach for him is to go down to the bottommost level, try to take him on before he gets to the top. He also likes to throw his hammer when he's on the same level as me. Now, I can hit him at any time. There's no special condition to try to attack him. But he's most vulnerable when he's working on a machine because then he's focused on working on the machine and he's not worried about what I'm doing. But there was a perfect spot on this level. There's a spotlight in the center. If I hang from it on the rightmost part of it, I don't get hit from the machines above me and I can't get hit from the machine below me either. And I'm able to just continuously hit the light on this machine to distract the boss long enough to keep attacking him. Mm -hmm. That was probably the easiest boss fight so far, just forcing him to repair the same machine over and over. What he does is he jumps up when he's done with it, and that puts him in line with my fire, too. So Hmm. um, it took a little while, but I was able to hit him very safely from that spot. So then on to the warehouse. This starts off on the docks with a couple of armed goons and bats to worry about. Uh, but I proceed down a pit where I see a genie's lamp and I figured that's some kind of power up that I haven't run into yet, but it turns out it's an enemy and I take a bit of damage when I find that out. Uh, a genie will emerge from the lamp and he'll spit out this very slow blue fireball towards me. So what happens is the lamp itself has to be shot while the genie is out. If you try to shoot the lamp when it's by itself, the bullets just ricochet off of it. Mm-hmm. Nothing happens. But once the genie's out, the lamp can take damage. No, is this not the genie from Aladdin? No, it is not. Even though... Uh, There's a lot of, like, crossover ideas. These are opportunities that they could have taken. Huh. Yeah, that's true. There's another uh, set of enemies that include a squirrel with giant sneakers that likes to attack with flying kicks. There's also a duck on a magic carpet that likes to fly out and shoots a smaller blue fireball. Not the same type that the genie had. All this while jumping across hooks and pulleys. It's very problematic when you get close to an enemy that kind of triggers its attack, but you're not quite in the right position to jump across that set of platforms. That tends to happen a lot in this area, Mm -hmm. where you have to get across a very tricky set of platforms, but... The enemy's not moving unless you're close enough to him. And then once you do get close enough, it kind of wakes them up, you know. But this warehouse, I mean, it's supposed to be a warehouse, but this feels more like a magical castle or something. Hmm. It doesn't really seem to fit the theme of what they were going for. In the boss room, there's two sets of platforms on each side. And there's like kind of a lantern in the center. And the boss is named Megavolt. He is this kind of goofy-looking rat with a battery on his backpack. That charges him up and lets him shoot sparks across the screen. There's also a large spark moving back and forth on the bottommost level. So I just avoid that level altogether. Occasionally, Megavolt will shoot a spark straight up towards the top of the screen, and it'll end up coming right back down wherever I happen to be standing. So as soon as he does that maneuver, it's time to move to make sure you don't get hit by that. But taking him down is not much trouble at all. He's pretty easy to get rid of. And then I move on to the woods. There's a very peculiar combination of enemies here initially. There's a vine that coils itself around a tree trunk. And it creates what looks like a very angry looking raspberry on the edge of the vine. And it kind of flies out towards me. There's also a bulldog in a doghouse. You see a doghouse just sitting there in the path. And this dog sticks his head out and then just 
charges up and starts running towards me. But the doghouse stays attached to the dog. Hmm. So, it, you know, you just get attacked by a doghouse, basically. Mm-hmm. There's also a bunch of large birds flying around. Maybe they're hawks or something. I couldn't really tell what they were going for. There's some waterfalls here with some floating logs that you can jump across. It's a progress to a cavern that's inhabited by more bats, naturally. But there's a small branching area with some extra power-ups behind the waterfall. And I find that the hard way that I have to back out of this hidden area instead of just falling down. Because again, I, I fell down figuring, well, that's how I get back to the main part of the level. And of course, end up having to do the level over. Huh. Now, there's some new enemies here. A very inflated-looking chicken. Very slow-moving. And what happens is when you shoot him, he deflates and starts to ricochet very huh. quickly. You kind of have to shoot repeatedly to make sure you finish him off so that he doesn't get a chance to bounce around. This is also uh, a suit of armor, like a knight, like from medieval times that's walking around. And it's being piloted by a mouse that has to be shot in the head. So you shoot it once in the head and it knocks the helmet off. And then you can see that there's a mouse driving this suit of armor. And then a second time to take him out. So the boss encounter here, there's three levels of... Vines, maybe, stretched across the screen with, like, some trees on the ends. The boss is named Bushroot. He's a wacky kind of uh, bird creature of some kind. He hops along, and when he jumps up onto the vines, the tree will help him out by... The the trees on the sides, they sprout hands, and they start throwing fruit to try to trip me up or something. Um, fairly easy to avoid either one of them and just shooting him is, you know, enough to get rid of him. Nothing really special has to be done to defeat him. But finally, once all of these six stages have been cleared out, Launchpad says that we've located Fowl's headquarters. It's their floating fortress at sea where the leader is hiding out. Their leader is known as Steelbeak. Everything's got uh, some kind of bird theme, mm-hmm. apparently. Well, you're in Duckland, right? Something like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so stage seven, the final stage, is the floating fortress itself. It starts off on the deck of a ship. This is a very modern-looking ship, kind of a luxury yacht. There's a mix of enemies, guys operating cannons. There's some type of weird like alien slug creature that hangs from ceilings. There's also another type of knight that is holding uh, a wooden horse, like the type that a kid would ride on. Like, mm-hmm. that's just like usually like a broomstick or something with like a horse's head on it. Those guys can only be shot from behind when they're moving away from me. But once entering the interior of the ship, there's many levers and traps to get past and it gets a little more complicated here. Um, there's some other new enemies like a duck in a steward's uniform. It looks like he's one of the crew of the ship. And he fires these slow bullets. These bullets are not blockable by his cape maneuver, by the way. I just realized that maybe the blue shots are not blockable by his cape. I think that's maybe a tip-off, because some of the enemy fire is blue. Mm -hmm. And I think those can't be blocked. But his shots are spaced out in such a way that it's longer than the jump that I can make. Mm -hmm. So I can't just jump to avoid them. It gets a little more complicated. So what ends up happening is I have to jump towards him to make sure I cover enough distance to get past his shots. But then I have to back up again to make sure that I keep my distance from him. So a little more complicated to beat this guy. What happens is as you hit him, he'll lose his uniform and he becomes like a cyborg. (laughs) Then he goes on like a bouncing rampage when when that happens. So because he's angry? 
I, I guess so. Maybe he's mad that you ruined his uniform. Okay. Uh, there's also uh, another type of enemy that's you just see a barrel in the you know in the path, but once you get close enough to it, uh, a dog jumps out of the barrel and then he'll throw the barrel at me. So it's kind of a mishmash of enemies, no real kind of cohesion to them. But finally, I get to the boss room, which has Steelbeak up in the corner. He is sort of in what looks like a safe room. Uh, He appears as a rooster with a white captain's uniform on. And he's releasing these egg bombs that home in on my position. Are these the eggs with the parachutes? Uh, These are kind of different, a little bit more persistent. There's uh, three hooks that I can hang from. Basically, I move up to the upper left so that I can hit the room that he's in, an armored little chamber. But once I hit him enough, he'll descend from that and drop into the stage. And it's a good thing that he does because he leaves behind a health refill, which I do need. He starts to patrol the bottom of the screen. And what he'll do is he'll rip like a steel plate out of the floor and attempt to throw it at me once I'm on the same level as him. But it's a simple matter to just kind of hang from the lowest hook and drop down to shoot him with the arrow weapon and then hop back up and then stay out of his way by doing that. Do that enough times until he's finally defeated. It doesn't really take too many hits to knock him out. He'll then appear on a computer monitor at the end and say, I foiled his plans, but he'll be victorious next time we meet. Mm. And then also uh, the uh, director, uh, Hoover, will come back on and he'll congratulate me on a job well done. So, uh, once again, Darkwing is seen riding off on his bike, the same kind of animation you got between each stage, until he hits a rock in the road and gets thrown off of it, and then it just says the end. <laughs> so, um, nothing special happens at the end, no chance to replay the game on a harder level or anything like that. It seems to end right there. Are the credits? Uh, no on-screen credits are oh. displayed. Yeah. yeah. Throughout the game, though, there were places where you can enter a bonus area. During my playthrough, I didn't encounter any of these. There's like specific spots where you can shoot your gun into the air, and it will create a balloon that says go. And if you jump into it, it goes to a bonus round. So it's like little Easter eggs or um, hidden... Yeah, they're just hidden hmm. like right. little bonus areas. These are pretty simple little item collection challenges. Shoot a bunch of targets and, and get extra points or power-ups, stuff like that. Overall, the game was kind of mixed. I mean, I found it kind of easy for the most part, but then there were some parts that seemed way out of whack. The pacing seemed kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Like, a little too difficult. Like this a little unfair difficult? Kind of, yeah. I just didn't think they were well designed. Felt a little uneven to me. Mm. Overall, though, I did think there were some good stuff. The music was pretty decent, I thought. I don't know if it matches any of the music from the TV show, because I'm not really that familiar with it. Yeah, I was going to say, did you go back and watch any of the TV show? <laughs> I did not. Okay. Uh-uh. But the composer for this game is known as Boon Boon from uh, other Capcom games. Mm-hmm. He has worked on Mega Man 3 and 4, uh, also Final Fight 2, and after this game went on to work on several SNK projects. The game was released back in June of 1992, in North America, and then in 93 in Europe. It was not released in Japan, somehow. Why is that? I don't know. I guess they weren't familiar with the show. Hmm. I'm not really sure. You're not going to get off easy buying a Famicom version of this game instead of paying top dollar for the NES version. It was ported to the Game Boy in 1993. Uh 
Same game? Pretty much the same game. Okay. Uh, there were some downgrades due to the Game Boy. There is a Darkwing Duck game for the TurboGrafx-16. Yeah. That was also released in the same year, but it was developed by Interactive Designs and published by TTI, and it's an entirely different game. It is? It is not related to this game at all. That was like a lot of how those TurboGrafx games. Mm-hmm. They had Tailspin also. Right. Also different. Yeah. Batman was different, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they got unique versions. Hmm. In case you are interested in buying this game... <laughs> Not really, but maybe other people are. Like I said, it is part of this upcoming compilation, but if yeah. you want an original version for your NES on eBay, loose carts start around $32. Wow. And go as high as $66 mm-hmm. for a boxed version. Now, if you want a, definitely a complete one with box and manual... Those are as much as $150 to $175. All right, get your checkbook. <laughs> there were even some sealed copies that sold between $180 to $450. It's not quite as rare as some of those other rare NES games, but it's definitely because of its release very late in the life cycle. Hmm. Just not a lot of them going around. Most people had moved on. So like I said, I don't remember ever really watching the cartoon. Oddly enough, I had no idea that Darkwing Duck was even a different character. Like, it wasn't Donald Duck in some weird alternate role. Yeah. You know it's what I mean? Like new character. Did they ever reference Donald in the game? In the game, definitely not. But no. Launchpad, he never brings up his other buddy. Because <laughs> I thought he was good friends with Donald. I, I guess so. Uh, oh, or maybe he's just like a chauffeur type of guy. Just another client. He's just a way to kind of make all of these feel like they're in the same universe. Mm. I didn't realize, like, uh, his alternate ego is named Drake Mallard. I always thought, though, that it was Donald. Like, I thought, like, just like Duck Dodgers is Daffy Duck in, like, a different form. Right. Like, I thought this was just, like, hey, some weird fantasy that Donald has, like, of being Mm. a superhero or something. I guess not. I guess apparently there's other ducks in this world. It's a lot of ducks. (laughs) Yeah. I think if you like these type of games, I think it's worth checking out. Better than DuckTales? I don't think it's quite that caliber. Mm. Okay. But it's decent enough. I don't know if you say so. <laughs> you seem skeptical. I, a little bit. Mm-hmm. But again, this was 25 years ago yeah. since I've ever seen that game. Mm-hmm. So I cannot comment any further. All right. All right. Well, why don't we move on from ducks? Maybe talk about some cats. Okay. Specifically mad cats. Mad cats. Oh, sure. All right. <laughs> so apparently mad cats has called it quits, right? Yeah, we talked about this maybe, what, two two years ago? Maybe? They were kind of on shaky ground. They were saying, all right, we're going to go all in on Rock Band 4. This mm-hmm. is going to be like make or break, you know? Right. If this doesn't work out, we're doomed. Mm-hmm. And it didn't work out. Apparently, they've ceased operations and everyone quit the company or is out. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be liquidating. Liquidating, yeah. Inventory, like- whatever that means. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder what that means. Mm-hmm. When Acclaim did that, I remember in Midway, and people who bought some of that stuff made out pretty good. There were some nice finds. I mean, Mad Cats has only been around since 89, but Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's some cool things to pick up. I feel like Mad Cats, when they first started out, they felt kind of budget in some ways. Oh, totally. They didn't really seem like, oh, here's a quality alternative. It was a step above like high performance, like Toys R Us's brand or whatever that was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it didn't seem like you were getting a quality product but i think i think it kind of changed somewhere along the way like i think when they started making these more high-end fighting sticks 
It seems like they got some... But that was uh, only like a couple of years ago. Well, it felt like at least 10 years ago, right? Whenever... It's been that long, yeah. I guess when... I guess so. I guess when Street Fighter Four first hit. Xbox 360, mm-hmm. probably. Right. They were selling some pretty decent sticks for up to $150, if not more. Mm. So it seemed like those were pretty good options. I even bought one of those. There was like a special edition version that they had done at Comic-Con one year. Mm-hmm. And I happened to be there and I was like, all right, well, I guess I might as well grab one. But uh, I never really got into using their products too much. Well, I remember when they started making like memory cards. Those were super popular in the mid-90s, I believe. Mm-hmm. And they were good because they were cheap and they always had like more memory than they... The standard like N64 version or, you know, okay. or PlayStation. Do people feel safe using those? Uh, I would tell people they were safe, but they weren't always safe. <laughs> there were definitely some defective ones. I mean, I understand it's, you know, oh, you know, get four times the amount of memory that you yeah, get right. from a normal one. But it's like, yeah, but if I lose my save game, that's not exactly I know, but great. You're not supposed to think like that. <laughs> I don't know. I still worry about that. I think my first Mad Cats product, besides knockoff memory cards, was the racing wheel i bought for wipeout xl mm-hmm. on playstation okay and i never owned well i owned it the, the old ColecoVision turbo racing racing wheel because i'm not that big on racing games but wipeout xl seemed like it was a really fast i don't think i ever played a, a race, racing game that fast before mm-hmm. and i thought it was really cool because it had like a little i think it had a little shifter on it and it had the pedals the brake and the accelerator so I was like, you know what? I'm going to set up a racing setup in my room for Wipeout. And I bought it, and I think I played with it once, maybe. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I, I set it up, and at the time, I think I only had, like, a 13-inch TV. So wait, was this one of those wheels that you clamped to the desk or something? It was suction cups. Oh, just like that? Suction just... cups, but I didn't have a desk. I just had a bed. So, I, you know, I used to play from my bed. Mm-hmm. It was not experience i thought it was going to be and i was like oh this is fun i guess and then i put it away and the steering wheel just sat in a box for Uh years until i got rid of it Hmm. not like it was a bad product it was just i had these visions of like oh this is going to be like in a real car and and stuff (laughs) it seemed like more of a gimmick more force feedback yeah and i didn't even have that Mm -hmm. yeah it makes me wonder now that they're gone they released a lot of new products over the last year um, well, we know what happened to the Rock Band stuff, because PDP is taking over that line. For instance, I bought the controller for the iPad. I could have bought three other top brands, you know? Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, you know, Steel Series, like, I don't really know that company that well. Like, who knows if they're ever going to support that? You know, I'm not going to get that one. And the other one, I think, was, like, the Nimbus. And I was like, ah, oh, that's another one I'm not really sure about. And then it was like sort of Hori and and Mad Cats, and the Hori one was a little bit more expensive. But Logitech is in there. Uh, yeah, Logitech didn't get good reviews. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know what? The Mad Cats one is nice, and they're a good company, so they're going to be around forever. So there'll be firmware updates and everything for this thing. And that was sort of my like incentive to buy that one over the other ones. And of course, the company goes out of business, so I will not be getting firmware updates <laughs> on that controller. Well, hopefully, you won't need any. It'll keep working. Who knows? May not. But I wonder also, they had the Mojo system mm-hmm. and a whole line of accessories for it. Like right. keyboards and headsets and mice and, you know, that all work together. So I wonder if that's all liquidated, if the company that picks it up 
is going to still distribute it somehow, mm-hmm. or what's going to happen? Probably not. Just like when the Ouya got liquidated and uh, Razor bought them out, and they just really abandoned the system and just kept the name. Right. It could happen, too. Uh-huh. Depends if there's any demand for that or if there's any market value in that stuff. Um, and the fight stick market is, like, super saturated. I think everyone who wanted one bought one. Mm-hmm. I think the fighting craze sort of, like, calmed down a bit. The people who are really hardcore into it either are building their own sticks or they have ones that are good and they're not going to break. Right. And... There's a lot of alternatives now, too. Yeah. A lot of so... Asian sticks. Right. Yeah, there's a lot of competition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then Street Fighter V hasn't exactly exploded since it came out. There's been a lot of complaints about the game. That's right. So they'll yeah. probably dampen things a little bit. The, the, also, the last line of Mad Cat's controllers were very poorly rated mm-hmm. as having a lot of hardware issues. Right. So uh, what other hardware companies are there? Pelican. <laughs> Pelican's still around? I don't know. I'm not sure. I think... Uh, high, fre- high Frequency. Was that the one or was it well, High Performance? One of the current ones is Power A. And I think they're oh, they're like the new version of one of the older companies. Mm-hmm. So maybe they used to be Pelican or one of the other ones. Okay. And they rebranded now. I'm not sure. Uh, Medcats owned the Game Shark name. Did they really? Yeah. Huh. They bought them out in 2003. Okay. All right. So well, I wonder what happens to that game. They still make Game Sharks, right? Yeah, but isn't that just like a rebranded version of the Daytel or whatever? Oh, Daytel, right? You know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, Was that a Canadian thing? Uh, I know. That, I think they were UK based. Uh huh. So. Okay. I think it's all kind of interrelated in some way. Yeah. What's that company that used to make the cleaning kits? Was <laughs> it like Doctor or something? Or I don't know. Game Doctor? Something I like don't that? know. Maybe. It's got to be tough for any of these accessory makers because mm-hmm. they need something to keep their business afloat. But at the same time, I think a lot of people view it as cheap and inferior compared to the first party stuff. Yeah. I think it's hard to justify the higher price for a quality product. Like, Let's say they actually make something that's really good, but it just feels like an off-brand. You know, it just feels like a no-name uh-huh. alternative to buying like either the official sony or nintendo products well the you know? sony must have a really tough business practices or something because they don't really allow third-party controllers on their machine for playstation 4 there haven't been too many there's, yeah there's i mean maybe two there's maybe two choices that's it mm-hmm. considering like that's kind of the console of choice these days that's probably not good for third-party controller makers because you know who else are they going to make controls for and then xbox their controls are pretty solid and then they have that whole you know make your own controller thing so it's like almost like not really much of a reason to buy a knockoff controller on Xbox because the you know the ones they make are really good, and that's it. There's no you know Nintendo doesn't really is right. not in the market anymore. Yeah, and then actually Microsoft also has the high end sewn up with their Elite controller. That's right. So it's hard to go up. <laughs> and then you have you know Razer. They have joysticks now. They have keyboards and mice. And would you say like they're the popular brand among like the younger generation? They're definitely uh, an alternative to a lot of these brands. They try to appeal to esports crowds right. and stuff like that. Well, it's like more like the younger. Yeah, so they try to say for the professional gamer, here's a higher end option. Yeah, professional. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Mad Cats was like kind of the joke company for such a long time, mm-hmm. and it's only within, like you said, like the last ten years where people were like, no, actually they're pretty good. Like their stuff's not bad. Right. Yeah, I guess it wasn't enough though. Mm-hmm. It's too bad. Well. Another one bites the dust. <laughs> Maybe we can get into any pickups for the week. 
I yeah sure you go ahead because I did like six months worth uh-huh. this week on right well uh, box showed up this week from Singapore which means okay, anything alive in there is a little turtles or something uh, no no nothing that I have to avoid feeding after midnight right. or anything like that this is uh, the latest bundle of goodies from PlayAsia so PlayAsia is a like an e-commerce site I believe yeah they're just sell games and whatever, you know, whatever fits their mold of, you know, stuff they carry. Because I think they carry, like, some toy stuff, some model kits. A lot of X-rated statues. <laughs> I, I noticed, yeah. I sent you a link the other day, and then here's some other products you might be interested in. And yeah. it's like, where are, they, where are they getting this from? Apparently they felt that was appropriate. There's a lot of anime adult stuff in there. Is that, is that what you call anime adult? Okay. I don't know. I, this is, It's not what I got from them. Mm-hmm. They had a little promotional sale. I ended up getting some games from them. Okay. And so these imports. Yeah, yeah. So because the current generation of consoles, or at least on the PlayStation side of things, is region-free, you can get import games and they'll play just fine on your American console. That's not a concern anymore. You don't have to mod your system or do anything special mm-hmm. to be able to load these games. Apart from even just importing Japanese games... The option is there to also get what are called Asian territory games. And what makes those interesting is that those are marketed for Asian countries outside of Japan. So namely places like Hong Kong, which have a stronger English presence. So a lot of the games there are dual language or multi-language. They might have Chinese, but they also retain the English in the menus and in the game itself. Mm. So these are physical versions of games that might have been released here digitally, but were actually distributed on disc but in, are in these those areas, the in those territories. Games? They are actually the same game. Really? Yeah. Okay. So I'll start off with right. Shadow of the Beast. Shadow of the Beast, one of the hardest games I've ever played in my life. Yeah, so this is a, a modern remake modern of that remake. game. This is not the original game. Yeah, I was really excited to know this was coming out but after watching some of the playthroughs of it it did not look too good mm-hmm. it was really boring actually yeah i wasn't thrilled with the art direction they went with for yeah. this game yeah i wasn't but... well anything about it i wasn't thrilled with <laughs> i figured let me at least check it out and this was cheaper than normal they had a little promotion going on where they had a set of games that was buy one get one free so they were basically half price okay so I ended up picking two PS4 games, Shadow of the Beast, as well as Infamous First Light. This is... It's a digital download. This is a download. This is one of the first games that I got for free with PS Plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is like a standalone expansion for the Infamous game. As you can see here, it says English and traditional Chinese version. Oh. Uh, there's also a big giant warning sticker on the front that says, This article contains material which may offend... It may not be distributed, circulated, sold, hired, given, lent, shown, played, or projected okay. to a person under the age of 18 years. All right, well, I <laughs> guess i Quite an elaborate warning there. You should put that on all games. Those two combined were 30 bucks. Figured, all right. Yeah. You know, not at the greatest price, but... Mm, maybe not, but... Like, if these were sold in the U.S., they probably would be 15 bucks at retail. Yeah. I know you like these physical copies. Okay. Another game that I ended up picking up because I figured, well, I'm already incurring a shipping charge. Let me lump something else in with it. Mm. A game called Caladrius Blaze. Okay. And this is a typical vertical <laughs> shmup. Typical. Well, I, I call it typical because if you look at the screenshots, it looks like an arcade shooter. Yeah. This is a game that came out in previous generations. I think this was available as an Xbox Live Arcade game. 
but the Blaze version is like an upgraded uh, uh, version with some expansion okay. stuff added on to it. Uh, and I also ended up getting a Japanese PS Vita game called Dokuro. And this is a puzzle platformer type of game. Uh, I believe this is out on other platforms. I think this is even out on iOS. Hmm. Um, Let me see this. Game Arts, huh? Mm-hmm. What did they make? They made uh, that shooter, right? I don't know. I think they're best known for the Grandia series of RPGs. Oh. Uh, they make a bunch of different games. Oh. Weird stuff. <laughs> Very weird. Yeah. So how much would shipping something like that be? For those four games, I think shipping was maybe $12. Oh, that's not bad. It's okay. So I was thinking it was going to be like 30 or something. All right. 12 Okay. And you got four hot titles. <laughs> Yeah, generally their shipping starts off at about maybe $6 for the first game, and then it goes incrementally up with each uh-huh. extra title. It's not too bad. I mean, sometimes they have a deal that makes it worth it. They might have like a special version of a game that you can't get here. Like I noticed um, they just announced Hyper Light Drifter. Mm-hmm. There is a U.S. version of that game also coming. Yeah, it's digital. Uh, well, yeah, aside from that, there's a disc version, I should say, but the Asian version has a different cover entirely, and it looks a little more mm. a little more energetic, let's say. Okay. <laughs> Alternate box covers. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So now you have your choice. Uh, I guess we can finish up with like a quick comment. Okay. This one is directed towards you uh-huh. on our last episode where you played Subterranea. Mm-hmm. Our friend Raul Angel commented. He said, Great show, guys. Subterranea sounds awesome from a realistic point of view. Except for maybe the fantasy aspects of it, like the aliens and bosses, the gravity, difficulty in steering, the bouncing off the walls, etc. Sounds very realistic if such a game, quote-unquote, existed in real life. Sounds well thought out. On my list for the weekend. All right. So you're going to take this on? See how well you survive, because I found the game pretty difficult. It's hard, hard game. But give it a shot. Let us know what you think after you Mm -hmm. played it. Right. I'm glad I was able to turn you on to a horribly difficult game. People like this game, though. People like Subterranean. It's well made. It's got a little bit of a fan base to it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I could see why. Mm What would you think about that character, the guy with the punk rock hair? <laughs> the guy during the intro? Yeah. What you think about the type of guy they picked mm-hmm. as the hero of the game? He looked like something out of like a Judge Dredd comic or something. Mm-hmm. It seemed it very... It seemed to match the overall artwork of the game. Well, right. Yeah. You didn't really see other people in the game apart from that. Mm-hmm. But it seemed like it's fitting for a game of European origin. <laughs> that's a good way to put it. <laughs> I guess that's it for now. Uh-huh. Please leave us your comments on our Facebook page. We're at facebook.com slash ourbrokenbytes. You can also leave us a note at obbfeedback at gmail.com. I suppose we'll call it a day. Until next week. See ya. Bye.